You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. We're going to be continuing in the series of messages that we've been progressing throughout uh, the summertime. The series is titled Fruit, and we call it Fruit because there's a part in the book of Galatians where the Apostle Paul teaches us about what we should expect to see and have growing inside of us as we follow Jesus. What will the Holy Spirit be doing in our lives? How will we be changing and what can we expect to grow from within as the Spirit dwells with us? And the metaphor that Paul uses, which is a great one, is fruit. He, he likens it to fruit. And so that's what we've been talking about. If, if you were here last week, you may be surprised that we're talking about fruit today because last week in the uh, the service we actually talked about the last thing on paul's list of the fruit which is self-control we were blessed to have uh, michael from crossroads counseling here to share with us about self-control and so indeed that is the last one on the list however that doesn't mean that it's the last uh, message we just that's the way that it happened to be scheduled so michael was talking about the last one so today we're stepping back a couple and we'll talk about one today, we'll talk about one next week, and next week will indeed be the last aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in this series, and that'll be that. Um, so let me read the passage again to you here today. If you've, if you've been here for a number of the, the Sundays during which we've talked about the fruit, you may be thinking to yourself, my goodness, I've practically got this thing memorized now. We read it every Sunday, and to that I say, good! (laughs) It's good to have this nearly memorized. I say nearly because I'm so bad at memorizing Scripture that I'm never quite there, but I'm, I'm getting close. We read it every Sunday, and it's good to have, I pray that God writes these words on our hearts so that as we return to them, we know what he says that we can expect to have growing. So let's read Uh, If you have a Bible or a device you'd like to open, a Bible app on, we'll be in Galatians chapter 5. I'll be reading 22 to 25 today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Anyone... Uh, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So let me remind us that uh, before Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, as well as after Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, Paul is talking in detail about the opposites of the fruit of the Spirit. And I kind of spent the majority of our first message in this series talking about these things. And I compared them to weeds because if Paul's talking about the good fruit that we want to have growing, well, then these bad things I think we can compare to weeds. They're the things which are sinful, the things which uh, Paul says, uh, that he calls them the desires of the flesh. So selfishness, brokenness, sinfulness, these are in contrast and, and opposition to the good things that Paul lists and the things that we need to be aware of. Um, But I like in verse 24 how he explains it. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So he 
it, it reminds us of the crucifixion of Jesus and that it wasn't just Jesus himself that died on the cross, but it was these things that God is saving us from, right? These weeds, these things that are hurting us and, and, and choking out the goodness of God, Jesus dealt with them on the cross so that we can indeed grow in the fruit. And so I wanted to start with that, and we'll also return to it at the end of the message uh, as we will have the time to take communion and to come to the cross again. So what we're talking about this morning is faithfulness. Paul lists faithfulness as one of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit that's going to grow in us as we spend our lives with the Holy Spirit inside of us, will be changed into the people God wants us to be, and, and faithfulness is one of these things. But what is faithfulness all about? What does faithfulness mean? Um, this morning I'm going to kind of talk about two different ways that we can understand faithfulness. And it's not a hard line or two separate definitions, but first we have to talk about one thing before we can kind of get to the next. And they're both, they both have to do with this part of the fruit of faithfulness, and we'll see how that fits together in a minute. Uh, but first I would like to talk about faithfulness as a characteristic of God or a defining characteristic of who God is, what he's like, and what we can expect from him. Faithfulness is absolutely one of the ways that God describes himself to people, and faithfulness is how the people of God describe Yahweh in, in the scriptures. Uh, I'll read just a few Old Testament verses which um, point to this. The first one is Psalm 36. Many, many of the Psalms uh, sing of God's faithfulness, and this one included, starting at verse 5. Your steadfast love, O Lord. Steadfast is another word for faithfulness. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like a mountain of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And then in the, in the prophet of Isaiah, where Isaiah is calling to God's people for them to repent and return to their God, he describes who God is to remind them. Uh, just one verse out of the whole book, Isaiah 11:5. Righteousness and faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. So this is a prophetic book, so Isaiah is not just describing who God is, but he's telling them who God will be as well in the future. And we can understand this as the promise of Jesus, as a description of who Jesus was and is, that he is righteousness and that he will be faithful. It will be a belt around his waist, so to speak. Another one from Deuteronomy 3 to 4. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. So again, he's saying, I'm going to tell you who God is specifically, and this is it. He calls God the rock. His work is perfect. All of his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So we can see why the fruit of the Spirit of this God should indeed be faithfulness. And we can read this again and again and again and again, especially in the stories of the Old Testament. And it's interesting because we have Yahweh 
the God of the people, he's faithful. But then we have God's people. And them, well, it depends on where you read, right? Which part of the Bible that you happen to be in. Because God's people, it would seem, are continuously going up and down and up and down. They're, they're down in the valley of sin. They're hiding from God or running from him or, or they've turned to idols or something. And so we have these prophets like Isaiah who are, are telling them, come back. This, you're, you're missing the mark and you're not with God right now and you need to return to him. And, and there's those things. And then there are, other time, there are times where the Israelites and other people of God, they obey, they return to God and they receive his blessing and they find his faithfulness. So the point is that God's people are sometimes faithful to their promises to be his people other times not at all but either way god stays the same and he is always faithful he's always faithful and so much like the prophet isaiah would call to the people of god and say this is who god is return to him with your faith we can also hear this same type of invitation from the lord where where we hear who God is and what he's like. Well, he's faithful, and he's worthy of your faith. And so the invitation is, well, to respond by putting our faith in him, by placing ourselves in his hands. Uh, Michael from Crossroads touched on this last week, and I really liked what he said in particular about faith. He said, because he was talking about the mustard seed and that story, and he's, he's saying, well, it's, it's not so much about whether or not we have faith at all because everybody does have faith it's a part of who we are it's it's the way that god made us is rightfully to have our faith in him but when we're off track we put our faith elsewhere so it's not just well religious people are people of faith it's everybody has faith in something or someone and and the bible is calling us to see god who he is and to take our faith and place it in him who is by definition faithful as we do this as we see this characteristic of the lord he's faithful and we return to him with our trust by placing our faith where it belongs which is with him something unique will happen to us this is when things will begin to change in fact we could say that all of the fruit of the spirit are a result of our faithfulness in God, which is interesting. This is because we are saved through faith. We're saved through faith. Paul teaches us this in Romans 2. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is extremely important. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I like this part about how he says, we're not saved through works. In fact, you are God's work, which is kind of a, a fun way of understanding it. And he says, God created us for good things. He made these things beforehand, and this is what we're walking in. Well, this is Paul teaching in Romans, but we can see the the similarities to what paul teaches us in galatians about the fruit of the spirit there's good things that we are to be operating in to see growing in us as we follow jesus 
And they come from God, from his Holy Spirit, and through our faith that we place in him. So faith is very important. Uh, the faithfulness of the fruit of the Spirit, first and foremost, would, would happen as we, uh, as we put our faith in God. We return to the God who is faithful. We see him and we say, yeah, he's totally worthy of my trust. I'm going to put my trust in him through Jesus. As we do this, the fruit of the Spirit grows. We have love. We have joy. We have peace. We have patience, kindness, goodness. And faithfulness. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I thought that God was faithful and that I'm just supposed to, I guess, have faith in Him. But here it seems like Paul is telling us not just that we will have faith in God, but that we'll be faithful. That this fruit will grow in us. And and it seems like that because God is faithful and we are with Him, He's with us, that this characteristic of who God is should be evident and growing in us as well. Faithfulness. God who is faithful has promised to make us faithful as well. So what does this mean? And this is where we can shift a little bit into how we're thinking about this word faithfulness. Because yes, it's about our active faith in God, but it's also uh, a fairly practical thing which has implications into the way that we think and act and behave in what we say and what we do. Faithfulness applies to all of this. What does it mean to be faithful as people? Um, this kind of faithfulness is, like I said, it's, it's to be uh, like God or who, how, the way that God wants us to be. So if God is constant and true and steadfast and unchanging. God wants us to also be constant and true and steadfast and unchanging. Faithfulness means that although we are tempted to to lie or cheat or speak and act falsely, we're not going to be doing that anymore as, as God's Spirit changes us, right? So suddenly our, our action... Well, Perhaps not suddenly, but as we grow, our actions will begin to match our words and we'll have integrity and consistency. Um, another way of putting it is that we will practice what we preach as we follow Jesus and we'll grow in this. And so this is what faithfulness can look like, um, more so in terms of what we do and how we do things. We can be faithful and God will lead us in this. R.C. Sproul put it really well. He said, A person of faith is not only a person who trusts, but a person who can be trusted. A person of faith is not only a person who trusts, but a person who can be trusted. So what do we do with this? I think possibly our temptation is to think of people who are supposedly people of faith who have broken our trust and to, that maybe we're taken to that place and we want to start think, you know, pointing fingers at other people. I would rather that we look just in our own hearts and lives, perhaps, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us about ourselves, how he may be wanting us to grow in this way, maybe to change, or what it would look like for us to be faithful people. I believe that God has brought each one of us to a very specific and, and particular place. Where you find yourself now is not just 
a series of events without reason. But God has brought you here. I'm not talking about like church this morning, although that's true as well. But in your life in general, God has brought you to the place where you are now. So where is this? Where has God placed you? Where do you live or work or go to school? Who do you see and speak with? What, what relationships do you have with the people around you today? What are your tif, uh, uh, gifts or talents or passions? In other words, where do you find yourself, presently speaking? Because it is here that God wants you to be faithful. And I don't know. I don't know each of the answers to those very particular questions in your life, but you do. This is where God wants you to be faithful. I believe the Holy Spirit teaches us to bring this aspect of the fruit, faithfulness, into these areas of our life, practical situations. Um, And God's Word tells us a lot about what this can look like, you know, if we are to be like God in this way, to be faithful. Um, there's, There's lots of teachings on this. And I wanted to just come to one of them from Jesus uh, that, that I was reminded of as I prayed about this. Jesus teaches us how we can be faithful. And his command is, as usual, surprisingly simple. Very hard, maybe, but it's simple. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Jesus has been telling people, his disciples, I suppose, he's been kind of helping them unlearn things. He's saying, like, you've heard this, but this is actually what I want you to do. Maybe you've heard this, but instead you should do this. So this is one of those things. Again, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you've sworn. In other words, keep your promises. Fair enough. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or by the throne of God or by the earth, or for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair black or white. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So Jesus is talking about our honesty, our integrity, our consistency with our words, our yes and our no. He's saying, and I think this was a common practice, that you don't have to, like if you say you're going to do something, you don't have to back it up with a whole bunch of oaths and swear up and down and, and, and try and really drive the point home that, yeah, I'm going to follow through. Because if we are people of faithfulness, that's how we operate anyways. If we say Yes, it means yes. And if we say no, it means no. The New King James Version translates verse 37. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. This is so simple, but I find it hard to do. I don't know about you. This is hard to do. and This is why Jesus teaches us about it and shows us how we can grow in this way. It's a challenge for us. Um, and I'll, I'll be personal about it for a minute. I hear Jesus say, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And I think more often for me, I let my maybe be maybe. Right? 
I want my maybe to be maybe. I, I opt for a third option, <laughs> which Jesus doesn't provide. Um, I want my maybe to be maybe. And this is because, and this is a temptation. I'm confessing this to you, that, that if given the choice between yes and no, I'm probably just going to say maybe, because then I'm, well, not 100% committed, or I can change my mind, or whatever. And actually, as I thought about this, I think my favorite word, not so much maybe, I think my favorite word would be probably. Because probably is positive, but still uncommitted. <laughs> So I can say probably to someone or a situation or whatever, and it sounds good, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say yes or no so that I don't have to make good on what I say. I struggle with this. God, help me. I'm not sure if you like that, or, or maybe you're the type of person who struggles to say no at all. Like to form the word no hurts. <laughs> It's hard to make that come out of your mouth. Um, I'll give you an example, because I'm like this. We call ourselves people pleasers, people who are like this, of which I am one. I was, uh, we got a phone call at the church, and this person was a local person, not like a, an offshore salesperson, but it was someone who wanted to sell us something at the church that was would be ridiculous for me to say yes to. Like it was, I'm not going to say specifically because it, that might breach confidence, but there were, you know what I'm saying? Like they were like, hi, we're wondering if your church might need this thing. And when I heard her say what we might need, it was like, what? Like it would make no sense for me to say yes. And so, yay me, I said no. <laughs> I actually said no. Whereas my temptation in that situation is to say, you know what, I'm going to talk to our lead pastor. Let me get your phone number and call you back. And then I probably, I'm not going to call them back because we don't need what they are offering in the first place. So I, I did let my no be no because in that moment I was like, and it's hilarious how, how simple this is, but, but I, I'm afraid to just say no when I know very well that that's what I should say. Um, and, and so, like I said, yay me, I was like, uh, no thanks. I was still confused that this was even an offer in the first place. I was like, no thanks, we're not going to, we're okay. And she said, all right, have a nice day. And I said, you too, and that was the end of it. Nothing fell apart, it was, it was all very pleasant. Um, but people pleasers are afraid to let their no mean no. Um, and this causes problems. We find ourselves saying yes to everything, most of which is probably, hopefully, good things anyways, but also bad things too. And, and next thing we know, we are stressed out, we're overwhelmed, we're in over our head, and we aren't able to keep our commitments to different people and things because we've said yes to all of them and we're not superhuman. We're, there's, only, there's only one of me. So... If I'm, if I'm, like, not capable to say no to people, um, chances are eventually I'm going to be returning to that offer and changing what I've said and saying, apologizing and saying, well, actually, I can't. You, I said I could, but I can't because I, I guess we want the affirmation of, of pleasing people, right? If someone needs something from us or wants something or offers something, 
it feels we want to please them and just say yes. That's, that's a knee-jerk reaction for many of us. But we can be freed from that, as Jesus teaches us, to let our no be no. Be honest and straightforward with our words. Just say it. In most cases, it won't hurt anything. It's hard to do. Or it can be hard to do. Maybe some of you love saying no. <laughs> I envy you. Um, So obviously I'm not talking about being, and I don't believe Jesus is talking about being utterly inflexible and rigid and writing everything in stone. Because this leads us to be like unforgiving and harsh. We have false expectations of ourselves to always, you know, always be right. Or perhaps worse, we have expectations of other people. It's like, you said you would do this thing, and then we freak out if they change. Well, things change, right? Like sometimes we can't always control Everything, But the point is, in our hearts, Jesus would lead us to a place where we speak the truth. We tell people the truth. And when we say yes or no, it means what it means. There's no hidden agenda or, or, or whatever. We can be honest and, and faithful. And then when we do say those things, we're people who follow through on them, right? And so if that's the case, we don't have to swear up and down or make oaths about everything or whatever because we've, we've said, yeah, that means it's going to happen. So the heart of this is to realize our weaknesses or, or see our temptations to be unfaithful. And the examples that I gave were small, and I realized that there are far bigger areas at play as well. Where, where we may be tempted to break promises or to be unfaithful or, or what have you. But in either case, to realize this temptation and to allow God's Spirit to replace these with His faithfulness, to enable us to be faithful people. Uh, the first chapter of James, just before we wrap up, James speaks to this a little bit. James chapter 1, 2 to 4, and then later in verse 12, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various, uh, sorry, trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So it's actually good when we're faced with situations where we feel tempted maybe to give in because it's an opportunity to be strengthened and to become more faithful. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then a little later, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So God blesses us when we are a people of faithfulness, when we are steadfast. God, it's not just a an empty command that we're just to follow through with for no reason. God, this matters to God. Why? Well, it's because it's who he is. Like we were talking at the beginning, right? God is faithful. So we endure trials and temptations in order to grow more in this way, to be steadfast, to be faithful. God enables us to not only face these problems, but James says that we'll have joy. Because this is another one of the fruit that will be growing in us as we Live life with the Spirit.
I'm going to finish there. And I want to uh, just start praying and spend some time praying. The band can come up and they'll begin playing when they're ready. But as I pray, I'm going to be um, praying about the specifics, I suppose. Uh, Because like I said, God's brought you to where you are. And I believe that there are uh, areas of your life where faithfulness can grow. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but I, I want us to pray and ask God to show us. And, and as he does this, to, to be humble enough to uh, recognize that indeed we sometimes fall short, right? That sometimes we, we make a promise or we say yes or no, and then, and then we're not faithful to follow through. Um, I said for some of us, these may be, oh, is that me? For some of us, these may be uh, really big things. In other cases, they may just be small. But either way, uh, as, I, as I pray and as we just bow our heads to pray together, I want us to listen to the Holy Spirit and to be aware of, of perhaps the weeds that we can you know, pull out and by God's grace be, be freed from and, and then to have more uh, space in the garden of our hearts, so to speak, to actually see this fruit growing and abounding in goodness as God enables this to happen. So let's bow our heads. Uh, I'll pray, and then in a moment we'll also take communion. God, as we are made aware this morning of this way that your fruit should be growing inside of us, we may also be aware of the weeds growing inside of us that are not faithfulness, but quite the opposite, Lord. Um, I thank you, Lord, for convicting us of these things, of our sin, so that you may take it away from us and redeem us, Lord, to make us new. This is a good thing, and we thank you for it. So, Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts to grow your good fruit? And specifically, as we've considered faithfulness this morning, I ask God, for you to make it clear how we can operate in this way, where we can grow. God, the, the, whether it's at, like I said, at work, at home, at school, in the relationships that we have with different people, Lord, may we be like you in this way, to be faithful and steadfast, God. Thank you, Lord, that as we were reminded of at the beginning, that you are truly faithful, God, that you are definitively faithful. If we want to know what it looks like to be true and faithful, Lord, all we need to do is look to you, and there you are. I thank you that each and every promise that you've made, Lord, is not in vain, but that you come through on the good things that you've spoken in your word and that you speak to us, God. May we place our trust in you. May we first be a people of faith just by saying yes to you, Lord, by hearing the good news about who you are and your faithfulness to pursue us, uh, even to the very depths, Lord, into the grave as, as Jesus went there, to pursue us there and, and save us, God, from our sins and from death. You are faithful, Lord. We, we put our faith in you with, with thankful hearts today, Lord. And I thank you that 
not only this, but that you have give, given us the gift of your spirit to lead us and grow us in uh, good things, Lord. Things of life and light and, and, and honorable things that we can uh, have all because of your grace, Lord. So we give you the glory and thank you that as we pray for these things, that you're faithful, Lord, to give them to us and to grow us in your timing. We bless you. We bless the name of Jesus. Amen.